0: Hey, we are in our second week of Advent. I encourage you to listen to the podcast from last week. I actually ended up, going, ended up being pretty good, I guess. And so uh, God really moved in that as we talked about the first, the second coming of Jesus and just kind of preparing ourselves uh, for his coming. Um, it was good. And so I was thankful that it, it was not terrible. And so, um, so this week we're diving into the second week of, of Advent. This the season of preparing ourselves. The season of looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. The next two weeks after we'll celebrate the the first coming of Jesus. Right? It's gonna be a, just in a, the a beautiful, beautiful season. I want to read this morning. Uh, just the it's the it's the it's Linus's telling of the right? Linus is telling us the story of. Let me read this, this verses eight and eleven of Luke two as we see a very, very far the most familiar story of the Christmas story of who Jesus is. And it says, And there were shepherds. Gives us super familiar. Please don't tune it out because it's familiar. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel, just imagine, just put yourself in their shoes, y'all. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord. I mean, just think about the glory. You've read the Old Testament. You know the glory is a big deal. The glory, utter shining, brilliant light of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. I think like a million suns just beaming on them, right? But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you the gospel. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the called one of the Lord. This morning is in this week for your Advent readings, we'll be focusing on the peace, the peace of God. And we're going to be focusing on that this morning. So I was thinking this week that Jesus, um, I'm going to use some language, this isn't a biblical language, it's world, it's the language we use today, but speaks directly to, to the biblical reality. Jesus is the greatest advocate the world has ever known. The greatest advocate. Have you ever stopped to, to think uh, in the context of our world about advocacy work, those who advocate for things, right? Those people who were committed to a cause that they would they would they're committed to a cause so powerfully were willing to die for it. If you live like living in the church, we hear about it It feels like hundreds of causes a year ranging from, you know, clean water to to homelessness right to our favorite advantage, foster care and adoption. In fact, it'd be interesting to sit down like a little thing and like sit down with three other people with a with a pad of paper and a pen and say, let's take 10 minutes and let's just talk about how many causes we can name in the next five minutes, right? And when you get done with that list, right, and putting all of your brains together and thinking about, you know, Christian things and non-Christian things, I mean, your list is going to be super, super, super long because there are so many things out there that are literally recognizing need and they're fighting for them, right? There are unlimited opportunities for advocacies. And I don't know if you ever thought, like, And I'm not sure if you have anything like this, but why do people advocate? Why do they become advocates? The reason is pretty simple, because they recognize a problem, they recognize an issue, and they also recognize this simple fact that if people would just get behind it, they could fix the problem. Right? They recognize an issue, they recognize a problem, they go, you know what, if people would just do X, we could actually fix this problem. So that's why whenever we talk about foster care. We get up and talk about the foster care crisis in our country, we talk about it in our county, and we say this if just one family in every church in our county just one would foster, we could eradicate the foster problem in all of Paulding County. In fact, every county, right? If every, just one person and one family in every church, right? And we're like, that's super beautiful. Or we, you know, grandiose kind of macro level say, if just every church in the world would pool, pool just 1% of its annual income together and put it into a bucket, we could absolutely eradicate Homelessness and poverty in the world today. Right. It's just those types of things are like it is absolutely doable. It's absolutely fixable. If people would just quote unquote make it happen. Right. And so we live in a world of advocacy. Right. Because. There are real problems in our world, and those real problems are fixable, again, if people would just stand up and fight for the cause. So advocacy, again, I'm, I'm, don't worry, I'm just leading us back to Jesus, okay, or leading us to Jesus. Advocacy, as has at its heart, one simple idea. This is super important. Advocacy has something in mind. Everything that is broken needs to be returned to its Intended plan, right? Everything that's broken needs to be returned back to its intended plan or its intended purpose. Think about children. Children in foster care, well, they were actually designed and created to live and save families. That's their intended plan. All people were intended to have a roof over their head and not be homeless. Every human being was intended to have food to eat and not starve, right? God's intended plan was that no one would be addicted to drugs but would be free. No person, right? We believe in this fact that every single person was intended to live free and should not be forced into slavery. Right? There's an intended plan of God, an intended plan for human beings. Why do people feel like they have to be advocates? Because the intended plan for a person is not being fulfilled. And so someone has to step in and fix that to return it back to its intended plan or purpose, and this is the idea that leads us into the second week of Advent. We said last Sunday, right, these two weeks of Advent again, for the second coming of Jesus, that we should live life prepared last week. We said, we should live life prepared that Jesus could return tomorrow, right? We said the 24 hour rule, right? 24 hour rule, because We want to have our house in order when he comes, and it could be tomorrow. So I live my life connected to and going after and relating to Jesus because that's what's necessary to be prepared for his coming. And this week, again, it speaks again to the idea of the second coming of Jesus speaks about something that will happen when he comes. The thing that will come ultimately when Jesus returns is the world will be returned to its intended plan of perfect peace, right? When Jesus comes, all of all the things that will happen, all the things that will shake, the ultimate thing we're getting at is that we will then return back. We went from Genesis, we went from Genesis, we went from from Garden to kicked out of the Garden back into the Garden. Right, We go from garden to out, and everything in life then is to lead us back to this moment, God's intended plan of perfect peace in the context of relationship with him. That's the second week of Advent, of God fighting, fighting for us here, and then ultimately in times, ultimately fighting the good fight to return us back to a place of perfect peace. Peace again. Peace is the intended plan of God for all of creation, for all of humanity. Let's just bring it home this morning. The intended plan of God for you today is peace. So, let's define what we mean by peace. Biblically speaking, the greatest understanding of peace is the Old Testament word, shalom. You've probably heard that phrase throughout the years. You've got these signs they put in these country stores saying shalom, y'all, right? Kind of speaks to the nature of peace. And when we think about peace in this shalom, right, we, we think about the absence of war. We think about the absence of conflict. And, and that ultimately is what the nature of shalom means. That it does include the absence of war and the absence of conflict. But it also includes a sense of completeness, of wholeness, of health. A state of calm without any anxiety, without any stress, without any sense of rejection. In the context of my life, it speaks to calm. See what I did with my voice there? I brought it down to make you feel more calm, to add power to the words, right? No, that's what it's about, man. It's like this idea of shalom. It's this absence of war and conflict, but it also includes a sense of, I mean, you understand, like, I, you you know what it looks like to feel incomplete, and it feels like to feel complete in the context of your personal life, your mental health, your marriage, your relationships, right? It means to be whole, to feel whole, to have health in this state of calm where I feel like my mind's just not racing in hurriedness. If you were to create and, and find the new, most um, equivalent New Testament principle, it would actually be John 10.10. 10. Where Jesus comes and talks about coming to give us life and to give it abundantly. Like this Old Testament idea of shalom finds its most concrete New Testament equivalent in Jesus' words of abundant life. Wholeness. Completeness. Not struggling with rejection. Not struggling with fear and anxiety and worry because i have calm here, right? It's this idea of I've come to give peace and I'm coming to bring complete and finished peace and so this is the nature of the second week of Advent like I don't know if there's any other topic we should have been studying in the hurriedness of our season than the nature of Jesus coming to move in Advent to a reawaken us again to the nature of his peace, his shalom and in this We need to recognize, right, connecting back to earlier, he is our advocate. He is the advocate who wants to return us to the place of Shalom. You see, he looks down into your life and he looks down into our world. He says, there's a problem. I can fix it. He's the ultimate advocate. He looks at the world. He looks at your life. I see the problem. I can fix it. I am the great advocate for you. So connecting back to earlier again, the intended plan of God for humanity is the shalom, the peace of the garden of the Eden. It's therefore designed. It's what we were designed for. And Jesus's advocacy is clear. He is aware of our broken places, and he wants to return us to shalom. And our journey back to shalom. This is really important. Our journey back to shalom it began with the first coming of Jesus and it culminates in wholeness in his return it began the 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 hope the confidence of peace here was birth of the first coming of Jesus but that we anticipate the wholeness and the fullness of it coming In his second return. So I want to dive into that just a little bit. Some few thoughts I want us to consider around these ideas of Advent this morning. Number one. This is really important. God's peace is already with us. The first coming of Jesus. Okay? Like we look for the wholeness of it, but it's already present. It's this kingdom analogy. You may have heard this. Like God's kingdom has come, but not yet in its fullness. Therefore, God's peace has come, but not yet in his fullness. And so we live in this world then, of like this tug of war, we all feel that, but God's peace is already with us. I love this, this, this message from, from Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 27. You should read the entire chapter, it's all really good, but Jesus succinctly tells all of His followers, therefore He's telling you, everybody say He's telling me, He's telling me this morning, peace I leave with you. Like when he lets us, listen, when I go, I'm leaving my peace. I'm not taking it with me. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Like if you remember reading John 13. It's that really warming chapter where Jesus says, hey, uh, I'm going to die soon. Um, I'm going to leave you. One of you, I'm not going to tell you who, is going to absolutely betray me. And then we go ahead and just call out someone Peter he's going to deny me. right? It's a real great war, loving chapter, super heartwarming, right? This is awesome, right? We're going to be terrible. And so we're going to kill you. Fantastic. And they're troubled. Chapter 13 is troubling for them, and Jesus comes and says, don't worry, in the middle of all of this, I'm going to leave my peace, right? I'm going to leave my peace so you don't have to to be afraid or trouble, right? We have to remember the words that Randall read last week from just talking about the describing the coming Messiah, whom we now know as Jesus and Isaiah nine, where Isaiah uses these, these powerful We about the staff this week, these powerful descriptor words that tell us exactly who Jesus is, what he means for the world, what he means to you and who he will be in your life. He tells us, and here are these four phrases you can put them on the screen from, from Isaiah 9. He is the wonderful counselor. Like, when I think about my life and stuff's coming in the context of work, marriage, kids, I'm like, oh, I just need someone to help me. He goes, don't worry. I give wonderful counsel. Because I'm the wonderful counselor. Like, it's why. So So in all of this, like, it's. It's why we're always encouraging you, always challenging you, always lovingly pushing just a little bit for you to be with Jesus. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't receive wonderful counsel for someone if you're not sitting down and slowing yourself down and putting down your phones and having a conversation with them. Like, have you you ever gone to a counselor? Could you imagine the whole time? You're like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I missed that last five minutes. I was focused right here on some work stuff. What's going on? Right, you can't do that. you got to sit down with somebody and let them wonderfully counsel you in the context of you slowing down. So he's a wonderful counselor. Number two, he's the mighty God. He's not a mighty God of many gods. He is the mighty God. He has all the power, all the strength. He has all the mind. I love this. He is the everlasting father. Remember, we defined the difference between eternal and everlasting. Eternal has always been everlasting is something that has a starting point, but no end. Like there was a starting point for you when you gave your life to Jesus. He became your father and says, hey, guess what? Forever. I am your forever father. There's no moment I am not your father. I am your forever and ever and ever and ever. Because that means something to some of you, father, right? He is a forever father. And then he comes in. This is the one I want to focus on this morning. I, I spent some serious time meditating on this this week and just focusing on it. He is the prince of peace. Like, have you ever thought about that phrase? Like, you know what a prince is? You've seen Disney movies, right? The prince rules over the entire kingdom and everything, and it belongs to him. And whatever he says goes, and he's saying that's who God is in the context of 100% of the peace that belongs in the world. He's the prince over it. Literally this week, I just allowed this Jesus descriptor to, like, expand you know, like when you were a kid, you could buy those T-shirts and the plastic things, and you put water on it, and it would expand like this. Or like you have you seen those, those little things, like those little phone things? You put it, and it's kind of, this is the coolest thing ever. Just put water on this, it expands, right? That's what's happening. I said, God is going to focus, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to look only at this descriptor of you being the Prince of Peace. And it's like, "Pooh, this is beginning to expand in my mind. God, you can't wait to bring peace. God, you're anticipating, expecting, bringing peace into all this crap in my life. That's awesome because I can't bring any peace to this. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to the point it's impacted my relationship with my wife. It's impacted my relationship with my friends. It's impacted my own mental sanity. God, but you bring it. I give up. You do you. Prince of Peace, right? He is the ruler of and reigns over the peace of all of the world. He possesses all of it. He gives it to whomever he pleases. He never lives apart from it and always takes it wherever he goes. So here's my invitation. You're like, Steve, I have no peace. Then here's a gift to you. Meditate on this truth. I think it's on the screen. Yep. If Jesus lives in you as a believer, and peace goes with him wherever he goes, and he resides in you, then what does that mean for you in regard to having peace in your life? Is it a Jesus problem, quote unquote, or a you problem that peace isn't present? Give me just you know what I mean when I say that. It's, right? It's not as easy as that, but it's a starting point. Starting point. And so what is Jesus trying to... So tension is always God's way of showing that you have an issue of pride or an issue of unbelief or an issue of something else that he's trying to put his finger on. Tension is always God's movement to bring you to a place of humility so you can receive from him. I have no idea what to say. It sounded good, so I can't say it again. I apologize, right? So in this, like, God allows tension to wake us up to, God, I can't. I can't get up. The, I can't push this rock. I just can't. I'm so mad. I can't. And saying, well, just come meditate then on my peace. And as you meditate on it, that begins to decrease. I begin to increase. And then you find that peace just begins to break loose in your life. Practice silence and solitude. What does that mean, Steve? It means you sit before the Lord in silence. Get rid of your dog and your cat. right? Get rid of your spouse for a minute. All right? Turn off your music. You don't need worship music to be with Jesus. Right? And just in silence, sit before him and allow his voice and his truth is like, this feels so awkward. Yes, because you have not conditioned yourself to sit in silence. It's going to be weird, right? And just allow in silence for his voice and begin to meditate. So I would sit in silence and just, God, you're the God of peace. I, this so is what I would pray. God, I breathe in your peace and I exhale my anxiety. God, I breathe in as I focus on Jesus. I breathe in your peace. And God, I just, just expel your anxiety and just sit and just look at it, meditate on the Prince of Peace who resides in you and brings everything that belongs to him with him when he comes to live in your life. You're like, See, that just seems too good to be true. Well, go ask Jesus about that. Like, I don't have to prove Jesus to you. He can do it himself. Right. So we come in to um, so meditate on the truth. Number two, God's peace isn't fully here. Right. Can I already mentioned that. So we know this to be true by one simple test. Do we still have moments in our life where we, ex- where we don't experience peace? Right. And that's the test. Because when he comes in his fullness, then the, all of the other stuff just leaves. All we have is peace and we can't experience anything other than that. So it means it hasn't come in its fullness. Right? It's come, but not yet in its fullness. So the answer, of course, is yes, meaning peace has not come and has not fully reigned over us. That's why we're always slowing down. We're allowing things to die inside of us that are keeping us from Him. It's the reason we look to Advent. Because I don't know about you, but like, I can live in a world that hasn't yet fully come, but by God, I'm ready for it to come in fullness. (laughs) Right? That's why Paul says, to die, to to die, listen, to live is Christ, but man, to die is gain. Right to die's gain. I live in this place of your fullness. The third thing, God. And then if, if peace isn't fully here, then we can believe and know for com- confidently that God is advocating for our peace today. God is advocating for our peace today. He's advocating for shalom, right? This wholeness and this completeness, this, right. He's he's just advocating, fighting for it today. Advocacy again is about someone recognizing a problem and fighting to fix it. The biblical story. The biblical story from Genesis to Revelation is one of God again and again and again fighting for Shalom for his people while waiting for the fullness of peace to come. Like, do you know your Bible? Think about it. You can go all the way back to the back, right? God fighting for Abraham to bring about peace for Israel. God fighting on behalf of Moses to give peace to the Israelite people. God again and again with Abraham. What they see with Elijah and Elisha, these great prophets of old, moving through them to, to bring about peace, right? And to, to fight for wholeness, to fight for the Israelite people. Go all the way up. And we all love the story of David and Goliath, right? Do you remember the story before David does his thing? Everyone's freaking out. There's no peace in Israel. Saul's hiding over here, Right? And so what does David do? He comes down and through the power of God, kills Goliath. Why? Because God wanted to fight for peace and shalom for the Israelite people. Do you remember, I mean, listen, all the things that Jesus did in his stories, the thing I feel like in my mind, the story that I read about the greatest advocacy of Jesus to bring peace and shalom to someone was the poor guy who was in the cemetery in the graveyard. Remember, and he's like literally, like the demons are moving in his life. They're like like making him cut himself and throw him into fires. And they literally chain him in a graveyard of all places. And Jesus has no reason to go there except for, what, for, except for one reason. To bring shalom to the poor dude. That's why he went. To bring shalom, to bring peace to this poor guy. And he did. He went from having no peace To Jesus at seeing a problem, wanting to return him back to his intended plan for him and brought shalom and peace into his life. He went from like trying to kill himself to exhaling anxiety and anger and all this stuff and having shalom. And I don't know if you ever heard of the cross of Jesus and his resurrection. Have you ever heard of taking communion? So we remember and experience again the good news of Jesus. He says, I saw a problem that you could not save yourself and fix your sin problem. So I came to earth, right? I came to earth, I suffered, and then I died so that you could have shalom, my peace. I leave you for those who are my followers. The story of Jesus coming to earth is the ultimate story of advocacy. It's the ultimate story of the peace of God breaking into our brokenness to bring us back to the intended plan for what you were created for. Listen, we don't ever, we don't ever bypass the gospel of Jesus. It is the center point and the crux for our existence. It's what brought peace. But guess what? It's still the gospel that is bringing peace. Only he can do it. Only his power, right? So, God is doing today to bring shalom, holistic peace, and salvation to humanity. So the last thing, number four, God is a peacemaker, and he's raising up other peacemakers. So the stories I just told, right, they were God making peace, They were God making peace, fighting on behalf of humanity. Jesus empowered his disciples, and guess what they did? They became peacemakers. I want you to do everything that I've done, right? I'm going to send you my spirit to empower you because you can't do it in your own strength. So the idea is he was a peacemaker modeling for us what an advocate looks like, recognizing a problem and fixing it. And then he says, all right, so now I'm now going to empower you, give you my spirit so that you can then become peacemakers yourself. And so in this, there is a huge difference in here. This there is a huge they are opposite things, different Between a peace lover and a peacemaker. Peace lovers are those who want peace at any cost, even if that means avoiding an issue that needs to be dealt with. Have you ever had a situation like that? Oh, I don't need to talk about person, but is this going to cause problems, so I'm not going to go talk about it? I'm just going to, we just want peace at all costs, and when reality is there's really no peace going on, is this an underlying issue, undealt with, that continues to grow, and it becomes a problem because we didn't deal with it? That's a peace lover. Oh, I just want, oh, I don't want to do, right? Like in Enneagram world, these are the nines, like, oh, I just like, I like to keep the peace. Everything's great, I promise, ah, right? Ah peace lovers don't ruffle feathers they will stir things up they will confront issues a peacemaker desires a true sense of peace but knows peace requires action peace requires sacrifice and many times that requires a death to self listen Jesus could have come in and just tried to be a good bureaucrat and tried to make the make the Jews and Right? All these people are going to get along and be friends. They're going to manage this. Or he could just come and die for the problem. Like you have to make peace. You have to come and give yourself and sacrifice and fight. Right? The salvation story again is that God is willing to make peace by doing whatever he needs to do, whatever he chooses to use to bring about salvation. listen, we see this as the underlying message of Jesus in Matthew ten thirty four. I encourage you to read all the context. I'm just focusing on one verse. But he says, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. You're like, oh my gosh, he's not really a peacemaker. What's he doing? He's like, no, 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 no. Like what I'm saying is this. Peace lovers come and say, everything's fine. But a peacemaker recognizes for there to be real, holistic, shalom peace, sometimes it requires Bringing a sword, coming and being honest. It means coming and speaking truth. It means coming and bringing division because you can't just live like you want to live and everything be okay. I have to be honest in the moment. It's bringing a sword, right? It's bringing death into a moment so that salvation can occur. That's what he's saying. This is what I've done. This is what I'm demanding of you. I've come to bring peace, Jesus was saying, and it could be painful, even to the point of causing division, causing death, whatever it may be. William Barclay, and this is kind of like a long paragraph, so I'll put it on the screen for us to kind of follow along. I'll read, I'm just going to read him because he just says what I'm saying, but he says it better than I do. The blessing is on the peacemakers, not necessarily on the peace lovers. It very often happens that if a man or woman loves peace in the wrong way, he or she succeeds in making trouble and not peace. We may, for instance, allow a threatening and dangerous situation to develop, and our defense is that for peace's sake we do not want to take any action. There is many a person who thinks that he or she is loving peace when in fact he or she is pulling, piling up trouble for the future because they refuse to face the situation and to take the action which the situation demands. The peace, which the Bible calls blessed, does not come from the evasion of issues. It comes from facing them, dealing with them, and conquering them. God is a peacemaker, not a peace lover, and God has called us, called you, to be peacemakers. Bring in shalom until shalom comes in its fullness at the arrival of Jesus. Just to kind of put some weight behind this, Jesus says in the greatest sermon ever preached in Matthew, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus is an advocate, and he's calling for us to be advocates, to recognize problems, and to do whatever we can to fix them. And I put this here, peace is something we have to fight for until peace comes in its perfection. Because we live in a fallen world that is always trying to lead us from God's intention of shalom for humanity. It's something we give ourselves to. Jesus, you gave yourself to it, then so will we. Are you still giving yourself to it and we're following whoever you go? Therefore, we need to go be doing the same thing. We do what you do because we see what you do. So in this. Jesus wants to bring after. Jesus is advocating. He's fighting for you. You need to be before him. Meditate on him. Be honest about the things. Sit before him. Allow him to speak into those things. Allow him to be. Listen. Don't sit before Jesus if you're not willing to let him be honest with you. That is a waste of time. Because when he sits with you, like a good parent, he says, "I love you." Now, <laughs> let's be honest about this. You're being a jerk, right? And so if you sit before him, you have to let him be honest, not about your spouse. Don't let him be honest about your kids. Don't let him be honest about your parents. Let him be honest about you and speaking to you. He wants to bring peace so that you can. The idea is this. You can't bring, hear this. You can't bring shalom unless you've received shalom. You can't bring shalom unless you have received shalom. And so in this, ask yourself, where do you need to be an advocate? Where do you need to be a peacemaker, right? So we all understand the areas where we need to begin to receive that, so dive into those. But where do you need to begin to advocate? Like, do you have friends who don't know Jesus and you don't share Jesus because you don't make them uncomfortable? That's just a really nice way of saying you're a peace lover. Well, I don't want to offend them. Uh, so you're gonna offend them to hell. That's fantastic. That works really well, guys, right? So friends who don't know Jesus, a peacemaker comes in and lovingly, don't be a jerk. You know what I mean, right? Coming in, being compassionate, being sensitive of where they are, but being honest because that's what love does. Number two, like. We, do you walk by people every day who are in need of healing, need of restoration, whatever it may be, and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you believe that God heals. you're like, well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. This is this a nice, really nice, palatable way of saying you're a peace lover? Rather than going making peace, because I'll tell you something, most people who I know that are sick want to be healed, I'm just saying. Most people who don't know they're loved want to be told that they're loved. Do you know people who are suffering with addiction today and you're afraid to inter- you're afraid to intervene? Cause you don't know how they're going to handle it. going to be like, "Oh, this is too hard." Got to be honest, right? Mental health issues in your own self. Are you afraid to actually be honest about your own needs or someone else's needs? You won't even confront your own self cuz you want to keep the peace for yourself. Like, so I'm going to I'm going to shift gears real quick. Business owners, Because shalom involves every part of your world. Do you have people that you've just walked too long with that you need to fire? Because you're you're afraid of conflict. You're afraid to be honest. Maybe friends that you're afraid to do that with that you know God's kind of pulling you away from because they're not healthy for you. If you have racist friends, you should not be their friends. And you need to pull away. You have marriages that are crumbling. And to try to keep the peace, because you don't have the time, the energy. You just don't deal with your crap. And you need to suck it up. And you need to make peace. By humbling yourself. By saying, I need help. We need help. We do not listen I have too much to say, (laughs) too much to say. But I've got people right now in this room who say, we should have dealt with it here and we're here today because we did not make peace. It's time. It is time. It's time to receive, it's time to be honest, it's time to let the Lord speak, to bring peace, and it's time to speak and to be honest and be Jesus, the great advocate to those that are in need. That would make an awesome Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful, Jesus, that you are unafraid to be honest with us. And, Lord, you know, Jesus, that sometimes it's just really hard to receive honesty. And I know that you understand that and you have compassion. But I pray this morning, God, that you would just, as you always do, would you lovingly lead people to this place, Lord, of honesty. That you are the Prince of Peace, speaking into a moment, and you see and you hear and you know and you're fighting for them. God, as they begin to then receive shalom, would you open up their eyes, Lord? And, hey, now it's time to go make peace. God has named a few things. There's lots of things. Pray this season, Jesus, that you do in unique and new work in each of us, God, to make us peacemakers who love holistically enough to be honest to be truthful to do the difficult thing to die if we need to in situations so that others may live. Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice to die for us so we can be one with you. And we invite you to come and just awaken us, Lord. In Jesus' name. I invite you to respond to the Lord leads this morning and I say a lot of different things. So you just need to meditate before the Lord this morning and allow him to be honest and speak in the areas of your life this morning and if that's you, then do that. Just sit before you may need someone to pray for you saying, Hey before I go meditate, I just need someone to pray for me for breakthrough. And then we have ministry teams, they just want to pray for breakthrough, pray for salvation, pray for healing for you. Whatever's going on in your life, doesn't really matter. Just want to pray for you. Communion's available. I mean, there's something so powerful as we take communion. It's not just a remembering, although it absolutely is, but it's a remembering that brings us to the reality that his presence is available to us today for the good news to be present in our life and to bring breakthrough and salvation again for whatever is going on in my life. Offering baskets are available. Why? Because we want to give you opportunities to worship Jesus and sacrificially give. As the Lord would lead you, so money never becomes an idol in your life. And so you just respond as the Lord leads. But here's the point, and hear this: Please respond. Please respond. Please engage, because God wants to do something beautiful and shalom-ish in your life. Okay, you respond to the Lord.